7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in foggy London town, midnight in Sydney in New South Wales, and in Malaysia, it's 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome in. Welcome to the stream. Welcome to Saturday night to our podcast listeners on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, to wherever. Tune in. Uh, thank you for subscribing and listening, and we really appreciate it. Our numbers are through the roof. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. A humble thank you. Uh, you, uh, man, you're kicking butt. It is so cool. It is so great to uh, have all the uh, subscriptions and downloads on the podcast and all of the viewers we're getting also across Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitch.tv. So, again, thank you. You want to help support the show? Patreon.com slash Sheldon. Just look up Jay Sheldon on Patreon. And you'll find me, and you'll find ways you can help support. So, appreciate that. Um, yeah, Saturday night, and I ain't got nobody. I got some money, because I just got paid. <sighs> no, no, please. Please don't applaud my singing. I can't sing. I used to sing. But I don't sing anymore. Hardly ever. Okay, check it out. You ready? This is another piece of Miko merchandise from I'm Not Wearing Pants. This, of course, is Miko, and this, of course, is I'm Not Wearing Pants. And this is a mouse pad. It finally came. I'm going to warn you. I don't know about other places in the world, but if you're in Malaysia and you order some of this Miko merchandise, the t-shirts, the hoodies, the mugs, I got a mug coming, but God knows where the hell that is. This took like three, over three weeks to get this. This came from New Zealand, Netherlands, no, the Netherlands. Uh, the t-shirt came from Japan. They outsource all this stuff, so it's printed wherever is closest to get it shipped to you. And I appreciate that. But um, I don't know where the mug is. I haven't had any confirmation on it. So that's still coming. Yes, we also have a 15-ounce coffee mug. It's very cool. Same design. Got Miko and me on it over there like that. So I'll show you that when it comes. But uh, the mouse pad came. So we've been using that. Very cool. We're very pleased. The print looks really nice too, by the way. It's very, very nice quality. So cool beans. All right, um, Locus Pocus is here, Luna Amethyst is here, hello to you guys, uh, yeah, cool, morning Luna, and uh, I saw your Facebook uh, with some of your uh, WIP for the Tati cosplay, so cool, nice job, looking good. I've got my banana shirt on tonight, uh, I'm sorry if you're, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see my beautiful banana shirt. But if you want to, or any of the other stuff we talk about visually, you can go to rumble.com slash 
I'm not wearing pants. Sign up for a free subscription. It's absolutely free. All kinds of cool videos there. Yes, a lot of political stuff, but there's a lot of fun stuff too, like this show. So um, please do uh, check out rumble.com slash I'm not wearing pants. And most importantly of all, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I'm begging you. Okay. Okay. No more begging. <laughs> I think we're going to finish The Little Prince tonight, by the way. Yeah, we are actually, I think, going to get all the way through to the end of The Little Prince, which is kind of sad because it's been it's been a lot of fun. I love reading this book. It is, and I'll, I'll be honest, I have never read it before. I'm discovering it as you discover it. So I kind of like that. Um, in fact, a lot of these books, I've never read the book version. I've seen the film, but um, haven't haven't read the book. So it's fun to discover it along with you, and I, I love reading it. Hope you enjoy listening to it. Uh, Luna got the hair. Oh, you just need to get the hair, the makeup, and the details. Well, good luck. Good luck with that. Make sure you get a picture up there, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll put it on the show. <laughs> we'll we'll stick your picture on the show as long as it's a public post. I don't want to get in any trouble. Um, well, I don't care if I get in trouble, but you know. Why not? Uh, let's see. Miko's doing well. Uh, we had a late walk tonight because, thankfully, we had this huge rainstorm this afternoon late. We usually go out about 6 o'clock or so for her daily walk. But tonight at 6, it was pouring rain, which helped the heat, finally cut the heat a bit, but uh, did not help for Miko's walk. So we wound up going, in fact, just about an hour ago. I, I was trying to rush back to get it here in time for the stream. So, But we made it. We're here. And uh, Miko made it and got her daily walk and did her daily business and everything. Everything is right with the world again, except that I don't have enough coffee. Mm. It's 10.05 at night here in Malaysia, and I'm still doing coffee. Gotta love it. I've got coming up, by the way, I've got some ways for you to clog your arteries. You're not going to believe some of this crap. Unbelievable. Uh, I get a lot of emails when I do bits about food. We did top 10 worst things you can do at fast food restaurants in the last stream. Uh, we're going to just, it's not a top 10 list, but it, it is a few things that are um, culinarily disgusting. There, I've just made up a new phrase. Culinarily, culinarily gross. How's that? <laughs> that that'll work. Yeah. Ugh. Oh man. All right. Well, apparently, the "I'm not wearing pants" movement is going well. I, a little background. <laughs> when I decided I wanted to do a stream, I thought, "What am I going to stream about?" I don't know. We'll read books, and we'll share some of the goofy, stupid, funny, piss-me-off stuff and inspire me that we find on the internet. We'll talk about life in general, which we usually do. Give you a little Miko update and update on my life. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know what to call it. And I thought, you know, these days, everybody is doing exactly what you see here. When they're having their meetings at work, I mean, not so much in the rest of the world, because most of the rest of the first world countries are opening up and no restrictions, no masks in a lot of third world countries, or as we like to say, developing countries. Good luck with that. Uh, everyone's still locked down. We're all under house arrest. We're all wearing masks or two masks or three masks, a double or a triple, a threefer. 
We wear masks in cars when we're driving by ourselves. Uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> we all do this. This is how we see our colleagues at work in this little box. So from here down, who cares what you're wearing? And apparently, <laughs> apparently this guy doesn't. Democrat representative wears no pants, shows off his massive belly in a hearing after he forgets to turn off the camera. You, you might have seen this, but you got to check it out. This is a hearing going. Look at this one woman here. Hold on. Let me just get my mouse back. Check out this lady. Here's her reaction. And there is this representative's belly on camera. Uh, everybody else is kind of like, oh, my God. So I don't know if he forgot to turn off the camera, if he forgot he wasn't wearing pants. But this is what happened. Take a look at this. <laughs> okay, here we go. Donald Payne. There you go. He gets up out of the chair. This is a Homeland Security meeting. <laughs> oh, my. Look at, the, look at the woman down here. This representative is like, oh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Mohanad the Mighty, welcome in. <laughs> Who dares to summon me in my nap time? It is I, the keeper of truth and the sharer of weird, freaky things on the internet, like representatives in Homeland Security meetings, sharing their belly on, uh, <laughs> on live streams when they're having security meetings. Oh, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So you see, we all do it. I am not the only one who isn't wearing pants. Come on, honest now. We're all not wearing pants, right? Of course. No need. Uh, okay, a little bit of serious <laughs> discussion. We talked about the United States, and I want to make it very clear because I'm not going to get in trouble from some of you goofballs. I am talking about the United States of America. Okay, I am not talking about my current country. There is a new Harvard study out, and I love the headline. It accidentally reveals how lockdowns have crushed the working class while leaving the elites pretty much unscathed. Uh, I just got to do a quick adjustment here. Here we go. Yeah, um, so we all talk about how the lockdowns uh, are affecting people. Well, take a look. The pa uh, picture painted is one of working class destruction. Uh, this is the plus 2.4%, the high wage, over 60,000. Um, here is mu how much of a difference. And there is this blue one is the low wage here. Let me get my mouse back here. There we go. Let me line that up. There you go. So you can see from this graph, they all start at zero. They're actually up 2.4% in the higher income wage bracket. The lower income wage bracket, this is how much uh, they've lost. People under 27,000 a year, 23.6%. Uh, Unbelievable. Founding father, 
and second president of the U.S., John Adams, once said that facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the facts and evidence. And what he meant was that objective, raw numbers don't lie. And that remains true many hundreds of years later. Uh, new data analysis from Harvard University, Brown University, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They calculate how different employment levels have been impacted during the pandemic to date. And the findings reveal the government lockdown orders devastated workers at the bottom of the financial food chain, but left the upper tier, as you can see from these numbers, frankly, 2.4% better off. So that should scare the hell out of you. And I would assume that those kind of figures are probably fairly universal. But there we go. All right. <clears throat> Enough of that. Thankfully, most places in the U.S. and a lot of places also are continuing to uh, open up and they realize that lockdowns don't work. The UK, however, is still kind of screwing things up pretty badly. Mm. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk about some... No, I'll tell you what, let's reorder this. Sorry, we're going to do the Food Panda guy next. <coughs> okay, this happened in Malaysia, and honestly, it's... It's a horrible story, but I got to share it with you because I just want you to know what's happening and exactly how crappy some people can be, which hopefully will inspire you not to be a butthole. This is from uh, Hype.my, a hat tip to Hype.my for the story, and a sad one it is. A disabled food panda writer cycled three kilometers to deliver food only to get scammed. Here is the rider himself. Uh, during this lockdown period, many people are struggling to make ends meet. This is from the piece on Hype.my. Uh, having said that, sad to see there are still a few morons, actually it said still a few, but I added morons, who will take advantage of other people's difficulties. Many were taken aback after coming across a post on a Facebook page uh, uh, Station Minya Shell Jalan Suleiman. That's the Jalan Suleiman Shell uh, Station, uh, petrol station. The post shed light on a disabled food panda rider who had apparently cycled for about three kilometers to deliver food worth 80 ringgit to a customer, only to find out it was actually a scam. This adik is a bit special. He cannot speak like normal people. Uh, fortunately, his friend was there to help, and they said that he was searching for a customer known as Mira, but we're told that uh, no one named Mira was in the area. And uh, they continued when he asked, uh, when they asked whether they had contacted the customer, the brother's friend said they did call her, and when they asked her on WhatsApp, the customer claimed she was also confused and didn't know who was using her phone. So there's a little show here of the delivery items and the discussion. It's in Bahasa, uh, Malaysia. So for those of you who don't speak BM, it'll be a li little difficult for you. But yeah, exactly, Mohammed. The writer was obviously dumbfounded and angered upon discovering what happened. 
As stated in the post, the customer did not inform him that she placed the wrong order in the first place. And uh, even told by the app user to deliver the meals all the way to the Shell petrol station. After knowing that the customer had fled just like that, we offered our help by buying all the food brought by the rider. We just hope the scammer won't repeat this kind of an act. Imagine what if no one was willing to pay for the meals and this guy had to actually bear the cost um, unless Food Panda would compensate. But a very sad incident that happened. And please, if I can discourage you at all, or if you find out people who do this, report them. This is, I mean, it would be bad enough, but as it turns out, this case, it is actually a disabled uh, person who... Uh, got scammed and it's a it's a horrible story let's hope there aren't too many of those all right you gotta lighten the mood a little bit here here's a sign <laughs> here's a sign apparently out from uh, some optometrist's office uh <laughs> If you're following along on the podcast, I'm sorry, you need to go to rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. You can see the video, but um, you can you can <laughs> take a look. <laughs> it is um, it's a uh, it's a post of a, of a sign out in front uh, of the optometrist office that was meant to say free uh free what is the word for your is it renal anyway the sign says free rectal photography and there's the picture of an iris of someone's eye will somebody shut those stupid dogs up oh my god i think it worked they shut up a retinal thank you locust yeah. Uh, yes, by the way, Mohammed, we are still under house arrest. Uh, so anyway, free rectal photography, I believe what they meant to say was retinal uh, photography. And two things. How did somebody write that from the client? Get to the print shop at which probably a salesperson handled it. Probably then a printer set it up. It got printed and the delivery guy and through three, four, five, six, who knows how many people... Nobody noticed that this sign said free rectal photography, okay? That's the first, you had one job. Secondly, if this sign is accurate and your rectal photograph looks like that, you probably have a bigger problem than your eyes. That's... <laughs> yeah, I would say your eyes are not the problem. You might want to look a little further down. If that's what your what your rectal photo looks like, <laughs> I'm gonna get censored. I swear to God, one of these days they're gonna they're gonna black this show out, <laughs> uh, which ties in very nicely to the next thing. It's a very short little thing I wanted to talk about tonight. It's just a little meme, but it's it's very nice. It's very good. I don't know if the whole thing. Now nah, you see the whole thing is not really gonna fit here. Let me see there. Uh, it's by Robert A. Heinland, who authored To Sail Beyond the Sunset. And this is this is so nice. You know I am a big First Amendment proponent. I no longer live in the U.S. Sadly, that is one thing, probably the one thing, that, um, yeah, enjoy the show while you can. 
Uh, that is probably the one thing that we do not have here is free speech. I mean, we claim to, we don't. But there you go. Censorship is never logical. But like cancer, it is dangerous to ignore it when it shows up. Pause for effect. Read it again. Censorship, never longer. Uh, logical, but like cancer, dangerous to ignore it when it shows up. Wise words, Mr. Heinlein. Mr. Heinlein's book is To Sail Beyond the Sunset. Oh, man, I got another one. See, I'm going up and down and up and down. We did heavy duty. We did inspirational. We did rectal photography. And now you've probably seen this. It was all over the Internet in the past week, but I had to share it because it's very true. <laughs> Check this out. Is it just me or has McDonald's gone from a happy child to a depressed middle-aged adult. <laughs> Seriously, have you seen a McDonald's outlet lately? Look at what it used to look like. My first date, my first date, I was, I think, 13 or 14 years old, was with Diana Hart back in Cornwall, Connecticut. Little tiny kampong, we talked about it before. And the big city next to Cornwall was Torrington, Connecticut, where I lived for many, many years. And I was on radio in Torrington for a ton of years there. And um, this is what the McDonald's looked like when I went on my first date. Because my first date with Diana Hart, who I was so in love with. Are you still out there, Diana? I'm sure you are. Where's my socks? Uh, we went to the Warner Theater back when it was still showing films on a regular basis. And we saw Tales from the Crypt, which was, I mean, the original film, Tales from the Crypt. I can remember every moment of that film and being in that theater. It was an amazing Art Deco theater, still exists. And um, my dad drove us because I didn't have a license. We were too young. You have to be 16 to get a license in the U.S. So my dad drove us to the uh, on the date. He stayed outside during the film. And then when the film was over, we I saved those movie tickets too, by the way, for years. I don't have them anymore, sadly, but I, I actually did. And, um, and then after the, the movie, we went to McDonald's. You know, funny, I don't remember what we ate, but this is what the McDonald's looked like. This was probably 1971, 72. <laughs> I know, I'm that freaking old. But yeah, that's what the McDonald's looked like then, not this middle-aged, boring adult. So yeah, as this says, has McDonald's gone from a happy child to a depressed, middle-aged Adults. <laughs> I think that's that's exactly what decade? Yeah, it was the seventies, Locus. The seventies. Uh, it's early seventies, very early seventies. <laughs> Amazing. All right, couple more for you. I got a ton of them tonight. Yeah, young love. Mm, if we only knew. I got a, a Nelson Mandela quote that I, I found on the net, and it was very inspirational. And um, 
<laughs> you just asked if we're under house arrest. Yeah. This is another one to keep in mind for those of you who are like me under house arrest. Before Nelson Mandela left prison, he said these words. Amazing. And very true. Listen close. As I stand before the door to my freedom, I realize that if I do not leave my pain, anger, and bitterness behind me, I will still be in prison. Forgiveness does not make you weak. It sets you free. Pause for effect. Wow. Strong words there, Nelson Mandela. Something to keep in mind. Yeah. Do I ever wish I could go back to the U.S.? No, actually, I don't. Look, don't get me wrong. I am, I know this kind of is a bit of a, I don't know, is it a dichotomy? I don't know what the word is. I'm a, I'm a hell of a patriot. I love the United States. I love what used to be the United States, not the fucked up place that it is these days. Um, but the freedoms that you used to have, not so much anymore, thanks to the woke idiots, um, I'm very much a patriot and very much love the U.S. and its freedoms. Um, however, I moved here. Next year will be my 20th year in Malaysia. I've never been back. I have no desire to go back. I keep an eye on what's going on there. I'm a big fan of the Dan Bongino show. I listen to his show and his podcast every day. He uh, is a conservative which I'm kind of a libertarian guy. I kind of have the same viewpoints as Bongino. I, you know, I just, I look at the facts. I don't, I don't, conspiracy theories and all that other crap. I want to know what the facts are. And then I'll make my own decision. But um, yeah, to the 70s. <laughs> but um, sadly, a lot of that is changing. But hopefully we're going to change it back. Um, so anyway, no, I am able to keep in touch with most of my family through Skype and the Internet. So that's all good. Um, but um, I haven't been back. I have no desire to be back. My life, my love, it's all right here in Malaysia. And thanks to the good graces of the home ministry and the immigration department, they have allowed me to stay and to work here and to make an honest living. I pay my taxes. And um, yeah contribute when I can. I, I truly appreciate this country. Don't get me wrong, this country's got a lot of problems. But every country has a lot of problems. And the way they handle them, well, that depends on the politicians of the day, I suppose. Sadly, because I am a guest in this country, I am not allowed to make comments very much about things. And so I don't. But I could if I wanted to. I got a lot to say, <clears throat> but the better part of smart says, shut it, get on with life and enjoy the time you have. Okay. Speaking of enjoying the time you have, <laughs> take a look at this artery clogger. Look at this. You know what that is? That is an espresso soft ice cream cone with two shots of espresso in a syringe 
And all of that is stuck on a glazed ice cream cone. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are it, this is unbelievable. You can either eat that or just stuff it right in your arteries. Just jam it right in there. Right here, the ones leading into your heart. Just take this thing and, and just shove it in there. Unbelievable. Look at that. This. I'm sorry if you're listening on the podcast. Go to rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. Subscribe. Uh, <laughs> espresso ice cream, a shot of espresso, and a sugary glazed cone the whole thing is stuck in. Actually, that looks pretty good. <laughs> Mohanan says, this is a direct stomach ache, if not a free night at the hospital, but it looks tasty. Yes, that's exactly my point. <laughs> While this thing looks absolutely disgusting, it also looks really tasty. I would eat that. Man, I don't know what country that's from. Uh, it doesn't say. It just says, give me espresso. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my heart. Unbelievable. <laughs> okay, you want another heart clogger? I got one more I found. But the caption is much more appropriate. Take a look. Ow! Ow! <laughs> Again... If, you, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry. I'll do my best to describe this. But if you want to watch the visual, go to rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. It's Heinz Mayorio. The caption says, I'm calling the police. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Apparently, this has to be real. Apparently, they have taken Heinz mayonnaise and mixed it with Oreo cookies. That's like freaking... Wow, are you kidding me? In what universe would that be appealing to anyone? Are you from this earth? Apparently, it is. Heinz Mayorio. I hope it's not real, but it sure looks it. And I'm pretty good at detecting when something's been photoshopped. This doesn't look photoshopped to me. Now, yeah, Mohanad says, now that is a free night at the hospital, guaranteed. <laughs> oh, man, honestly, I'm calling the police. That's the best, the best title for that ever. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mayorio. It's disgusting. <laughs> Oh, no, thank you. All right. I got one more. And again, for you podcast listeners, I'm really sorry. Rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. You can watch the show or Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitch.tv. I don't know how much it would have sold it for. You couldn't give it to me for free. I would not put that in my mouth if you paid me to try it. Well, okay. Maybe if you paid me, I'd try it. But what would you put it on? By the way, one one weird thing that we don't do in the U.S. hardly ever or didn't, and people here in Malaysia do, is they dip their French fries in mayonnaise. 
That was a new one for me when I first moved here. I got French fries, not at McDonald's or Burger King or, you know, Wendy's, but at, um, at just some normal restaurant place. And it came with chili sauce and mayonnaise. And people actually dip their French fries in mayonnaise. Sorry, but that is a... To me, no thank you. Um, anyway, would you dip French fries in it? French fries with mayo-oreo, mayo-oreo dipping sauce. I don't know. All right, creativity abounds, and I found this, and I thought, oh, man, how cool is this? Take a look. I can't zoom out, really, but I'll scroll down through so you can see it. Again, podcast listeners, go to rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. I say it all the time. Please subscribe to the show, and then you can watch all the visuals. This is amazing. From Fantastic World with uh, Carrie Carter, uh, Fantastic World's Facebook page, Creativity Without Limits. Here is a bench, a park bench. It happens to be raining. But look at this. They've taken the street lamp and turned it into what looks like a little guy holding his arms out with an umbrella over top of the bench. So you've got a street lamp here. You've got a street lamp with an umbrella, which protects people sitting on the bench from the rain. I love that. That is very cool. Some uh, municipality or township making, uh, making the most use out of a very creative streetlight design. Very, very cool. Okay, I got uh, one or two more, and then we're going to move on to the Little Prince. But uh, I had to share this because, you know, Miko merch. There's Miko. There's I'm Not Wearing Pants, and you can buy this on twitch.tv. I'm Not Wearing Pants, Jay Sheldon's No Pants. Just look up the merchandise page. You can get yourself a mouse pad and a coffee mug and T-shirts and hoodies and all kinds of cool stuff, including stickers. They're very cheap. Buy some stickers. Yeah, that's our that's our Miko merchandise. I just got it in the uh, in the post. So, very cool. All right, speaking of Shiba Inus, look at this. <laughs> look at that. This whoops, there we go. Now we're zoomed in. I should go back out again cuz that's kind of annoying. Okay. Um, let me readjust. Oh, bloody hell. Here we go. There. All right. This is from, look, that's a person right here. This is a person. These are two Shiba Inus, really. And this is from Boise, Idaho, I think. Yeah, downtown Boise, Idaho. It is a giant Shiba Inu statue. I wish they'd curled the tail a little more. It does look like paper mache, but I don't think so. I can't quite tell what it's made of, but you're right. It looks a bit like it can't be paper mache being that big. I mean, it might have been a wire frame and then they covered it. But look at these teeth. This is what Miko looks like when I say, hey, it's time for your bath. And then she's like. But anyway, this is great. It's a huge. Let's say this woman is on average, maybe what, five, five, something like that. This thing is another, it's probably 10, 15, 15 feet tall. That's huge. I don't know. It doesn't say whether it's paper mache or not, but you're right. Because of that wrinkly, it does kind of look like paper mache. Wow. All right. I've got uh, 
I got one last one before we move on to The Little Prince, the conclusion of The Little Prince tonight. But I found this online, and there's no real reason to put the visual up because it's just words on a page. But um, yeah, Massive is right. But I found this and I had to share it. When I Here's another when I moved to Malaysia thing that I did not see hardly at all in the United States. And that was, well, the headline, you know, the clickbait headline is two men holding hands. Okay. Yes, I know June is Pride Month, but beyond that, um, you would very often here in Malaysia see two men, not usually Malaysians. They are uh, Bangladeshi or from wherever, and they're usually uh, imported construction workers, things like that. Uh, look, I'm not knocking. That's not a knock. Those guys bust their butts for what little money they make and horrible conditions often they live under. So a tip of the hat to those guys who really do an amazing job. But it kind of freaked me out because I know it's a cultural thing, but I didn't realize where that cultural thing came from. And somebody posted this. I don't know who to give a tip of the hat to. Um, oh, Joanna Joseph. Okay, Joanna, thank you for sharing this. It's brilliant. Um, and the original post came from Mel Ung. It said, I had a student from Bangladesh once, and I asked him, why do men hold hands? And this was his story. Now listen close. While today it's a sign of friendship, it has a much older root significance. He told me that back in the old days, child kidnapping was very rampant in Bangladesh. And it is as easy as just snatching a child in broad daylight. In public areas and crowded areas, it still happens. And it was for organ harvesting, child labor, and the like. And the main victims were boys. So parents told their boys to hold hands whenever they went out. Always hold your friend's hand, which makes it harder for the bad people to snatch them. And the longer the chain, the better. And over time, that became the norm. And even today, all boys hold hands in public, which creates that very strong bond, which says, I will protect you. Pause for effect. And that's brilliant. I, I absolutely love it. A lot of people, you know, see two guys holding hand and think, oh, gay and all that other stuff. But it has absolutely nothing to do with that. It is indeed a cultural thing, but the story behind it is a big wow. Exactly. Exactly, Locus Mohanad. Wow. That's absolutely brilliant. And I love that. I love that. I will protect you. It's amazing. Thank you for that. Thanks for sharing that, Ms. Ung. Uh, right. Um, where are we? Oh, I know where we are. We are in the middle of doing I'm Not Wearing Pants live stream on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch.tv. And we are at the point in the show where we turn it over to the little prince. 
Mohei Osman hosted your stream. Thank you very much. Thanks, Osman. Good to have you uh, along. And thank you for the host. Appreciate that. Cool beans. Um, Osman, another great uh, voice personality who not only does voices for animations, films, commercials, he's also a... Uh, <laughs> he's also a um a brilliant teacher he teaches uh voice work things like that came into an awesome story yes indeed you did <laughs> uh osman by the way also is one of my uh, co-voice artists for no straight roads so if you are a no straight roads fan which i know a lot of you watch the stream listen to the podcast are um you can of course hear the amazing Osman Zukipli. Uh, he and I have worked together on a bunch of projects. It's always fun. Always fun. <clears throat> okay, one more cough and one more sip of coffee. And then we are going to jump on in to what will be actually the finale of The Little Prince. Um, this is our final chapter, chapters tonight. And then we will move on to another book, yet to be determined, by the way. If you'd like, please email your suggestions. We gave you the list before. I'll do it again at the end of the show. Nopants at jsheldon.com. You'll see it scrolling along the bottom here. Nopants at jsheldon.com. I read all your emails. I reply, everybody, and thank you for all of your input. You want to make comments about the show, you want to complain about something, you want to suggest something, or you want to vote for what book we should do next. You know what? As a matter of fact, let me just do this right now while we're talking about it. Here's your options. Uh, we're going to save a Christmas carol for the Christmas season. Um, the Jungle Book, Rudyard Kipling. That might be a lot of fun to do, The Jungle Book. I think... I'm leaning towards that one. Legend of Sleepy Hollow, although, again, Halloween coming up might be better to wait. Treasure Island, Robert Louis Stevenson. Jules Verne, Around the World in 80 Days. Um, Tale of Peter Rabbit. And finally, H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. Hmm. I am leaning towards the Jungle Book because I think that Rudyard Kipling book might be a lot of fun. Plus, it's got a lot of different characters. So we'll see. You'll find out on Monday night stream when we start a new book. Yeah, they are some amazing books to start with. So uh, you'll find us over there and uh, we'll let you know. And if I don't get, I think we're going to go with the Jungle Book. If I don't get more votes in my email list, Again, nopants at jsheldon.com if you want to uh, send me your opinions. Please do. I read all your emails, and thank you very much for your input. All right, let's move it on. It's The Little Prince. It's Chapter 24, The Narrator and the Little... <laughs> do you talk for a living? Sometimes. The Narrator and the Little Prince, thirsty, hunt for a well in the desert. It was now the eighth day since I'd had my accident in the desert, and I had listened to the story of the merchant as I was drinking the last drop of my water supply. Ah, I said to the little prince, the memories of yours are very charming, but I have not yet succeeded in repairing my plane. I have nothing more to drink, and I too should be very happy if I could walk at my leisure 
toward a spring of fresh water. My friend the fox, the little prince said to me, my dear little man, this is no longer a matter that has anything to do with the fox. Why not? Well, because I am about to die of thirst. He did not follow my reasoning, and he answered me, It is a good thing to have a friend, even if one is about to die. I, for instance, am very glad to have had a fox as a friend. He has no way of guessing the danger, I said to myself. He has never been either hungry or thirsty. A little sunshine is all he needs. But he looked at me steadily and replied to my thought. I am thirsty too. Let us look for a well. I made a gesture of weariness. It is absurd to look for a well at random in the immensity of the desert. But nevertheless, we started walking. When we had trudged along for several hours, in silence, the darkness fell, and the stars began to, came out, to come out. Thirst had made me a little feverish, and I looked at him as if I were in a dream. The little prince's last words came reeling back into my memory. Then you are thirsty too, I demanded, but he didn't reply to my question. He merely said to me, Water may also be good for the heart. I did not understand the answer, but I said nothing. I knew very well that it was impossible to cross-examine him. He was tired. He sat down. I sat down beside him, and after a little silence, he spoke again. The stars are beautiful because of a flower that cannot be seen. I replied, yes, that is so. And without saying anything more, I looked across the ridges of sand that were stretched out before us in the moonlight. The desert is beautiful, the little prince added. And that was true. I've always loved the desert. One sits down on a desert sand dune, sees nothing, hears nothing, yet through the silence something throbs and gleams. What makes the desert beautiful, said the little prince, is that somewhere it hides a well. I was astonished by a sudden understanding of that mysterious radiation of the sands. When I was a little boy I lived in an old house, and legend told us that a treasure was buried there. To be sure, no one had ever known how to find it. Perhaps no one had ever even looked for it. But it cast an enchantment over that house. My home was hiding a secret in the depths of its heart. Yes, I said to the little prince, the house, the stars, the desert. What gives them their beauty? is something that is invisible. I am glad, he said, that you agree with my fox. As the little prince dropped off to sleep, I took him in my arms and set out walking once more. I felt 
deeply moved and stirred. It seemed to me that I was carrying a very fragile treasure. It seemed to me even that there was nothing more fragile on all earth. In the moonlight, I looked at his pale forehead, his closed eyes, his locks of hair that trembled in the wind. And I said to myself, what I see here is nothing but a shell. What is most important is invisible. As his lips opened slightly with the suspicious of a half smile, I said to myself again, what moves me so deeply about this little prince who is sleeping here is his loyalty to a flower, the image of a rose that shines through his whole being like the flame of a lamp, even when he is asleep. And I felt him to be more fragile still. I felt the need of protecting him, as if he himself were a flame that might be extinguished by a little puff of wind. And as I walked on, I found the well at daybreak. Chapter 25. Finding a well, the narrator and the little prince discuss his return to the planet. Men, said the little prince, set out on their way in express trains, but they do not know what they're looking for. Then they rush about and get excited and turn round and round. And he added, it is not worth the trouble. The well that we had come to was not like the wells of the Sahara. The wells of the Sahara are mere holes dug in the sand. This one was like a well in a village, but there was no village here. And I thought, I must be dreaming. It is strange, I said to the little prince. Everything is ready for use, the pulley, the bucket, the rope. He laughed, touched the rope, and set the pulley to working. And the pulley moaned like an old weather vane when the wind has long since forgotten. Do you hear, said the little prince, we've wakened the well, and it's singing. I did not want him to tire himself with the rope. Leave it to me, I said, it's too heavy for you. I hoisted the bucket slowly to the edge of the well and set it there. Happy tired as I was over my achievement, the song of the pulley was still in my ears, and I could see the sunlight shimmer in the still trembling water. I am thirsty for this water, said the little prince. Give me some of it to drink. And I understood what he'd been looking for. I raised the bucket to his lips. He drank, his eyes closed. It was as sweet as some special festival treat. This water was indeed a different thing from ordinary nourishment. Its sweetness was born of the walk under the stars, the song of the pulley, the effort in my arms. It was good for the heart, like a present. When I was a little boy, the lights of the Christmas tree, the music of the midnight mass, 
the tenderness of smiling faces used to make up so the radiance of the gifts I received. The men where you live, said the little prince, raise five thousand roses in the same garden, and they do not find in it what they're looking for. They do not find it, I replied. And yet, what they are looking for could be found in one single rose, or in a little water. <laughs> yes, that is true, I said. And the little prince added, but the eyes are blind. One must look with the heart. I had drunk the water. I breathed easily. At sunrise, the sand is the color of honey. And that honey color was making me happy, too. What brought me, then, the sense of grief? You must keep your promise, said the little prince softly as he sat down beside me once more. What promise? You know, a muzzle for my sheep. I am responsible for this flower. I took my rough drafts of drawings out of my pocket. The little prince looked over them and laughed as he said, Your baobabs, they look like little cabbages. Oh? I had been so proud of my baobabs. Your fox, his ears look a little like horns. They're too long. And he laughed again. You are not fair, little prince, I said. I don't know how to draw anything except boa constrictors from the outside and boa constrictors from the inside. Oh, that'll be all right, he said. Children understand. So then I made a pencil sketch of a muzzle. And as I gave it to him, my heart was torn. You have plans that I do not know about, I said. But he didn't answer me. He said to me instead, You know, the, my descent to the earth, tomorrow will be its anniversary. Then, after a silence, he went on. I came down very near here. And he flushed. And once again, without understanding why, I had a queer sense of sorrow. One question, however, occurred to me. Then it was not by chance on that morning when I first met you a week ago. You were strolling along like that all alone a thousand miles from any inhabited region. You were on the back to the place where you landed. The little prince flushed again. And I added with some hesitancy, perhaps it was because of the anniversary. The little prince flushed once more. He never answered questions. But when one flushes, does that not mean yes? Ah, I said to him. I am a little frightened. But he interrupted me. Now you must work. You must return to your engine. I will be waiting for you here. Come back tomorrow evening. But I was not reassured. I remembered the fox. One runs the risk of weeping a little if one lets himself be tamed.
In chapter 26, the little prince converses with the snake, the little prince consoles the narrator, and the little prince returns to his planet. Beside the well, there was the ruin of an old stone wall. And when I came back from my work the next evening, I saw from some distance away that my little prince sitting on top of the wall with his feet dangling. And I heard him say, Then you don't remember? This is not the exact spot. Another voice must have answered him, for he replied to it. Ah, yes, yes, it is the right day, but this is not the right place. I continued my walk toward the wall. At no time did I see or hear anyone. The little prince, however, replied once again. Exactly, you will see where my track begins. In the sand. You have nothing to do but wait here for me. I shall be there tonight. I was only twenty meters from the wall, and I still saw nothing. After a silence, the little prince spoke again. You have good poison? You are sure that it will not make me suffer too long. I stopped at my tracks, my heart torn asunder. But still I did not understand. Now go away, said the little prince. I want to get down from the wall. I dropped my eyes then to the foot of the wall, and I leaped into the air, for there before me, facing the little prince, was one of those yellow snakes that take just 30 seconds to bring your life to an end. Even as I was digging into my pocket to get my revolver, I made a running step back. But at the noise I made, the snake let himself flow easily along the sand, like the dying spray of a fountain, and in no apparent hurry, disappeared, with a light metallic sound among the stones. I reached the wall just in time to catch my little man in his arms. His face was white as snow. What does it mean? I demanded. Why are you talking with snakes? I had loosened the golden muffler that he always wore, and I had moistened his temples and given him water to drink. And now I did not dare ask him any more questions. He looked at me very gravely and put his arms around my neck. I felt his heart beating like the heart of a dying bird shot with someone's rifle. I am glad that you have found what was the matter with your engine, he said. Now you can go back home. How do you know about that? I was just coming to tell him that my work had been successful beyond anything that I dared to hope. He made no answer to my question, but he added, I too am going back home today. And then sadly, it is much further. It is much more difficult. I realized clearly that something extraordinary was happening. I was holding him close in my arms as if he were a little child. And yet it seemed to me that he was rushing headlong toward an abyss from which I could do nothing to restrain him.
His look was very serious, like someone lost far away. I have your sheep, and I have the sheep's box, and I have the muzzle. And he gave me a sad smile. I waited a long time. I could see that he was reviving little by little. Dear little man, I said to him, you are afraid. He was afraid, but there was no doubt about that. But he laughed lightly. I shall be much more afraid this evening. And once again, I felt myself frozen by the sense of something irreparable. And I knew that I could not bear the thought of never hearing that laughter any more. For me, it was like a spring of fresh water in the desert. Little man, I said, I want to hear you laugh again. But he said to me, tonight it will be a year, my star. Then can be found right above the place where I came to the earth a year ago. Little man, I said, tell me that it's only a bad dream, this affair of the snake and the meeting place and the star. But he did not answer my plea. He said to me instead, the thing that is important is the thing that is not seen. Yes, I know. It is just as it is with the flower. If you love a flower that lives at a star, it is sweet to look at the sky at night. All the stars are ablue with flowers. Yes, I know. It is just as it is with the water. Because of the pulley and the rope, what you gave me to drink was like music. You remember how good it was? Yes, I know. And at night, you'll look up at the stars where I live. Everything is so small that I cannot show you where my star is to be found. It is better like that. My star will just be one of the stars for you. And so you will love to watch all the stars in the heavens. They will all be your friends. And besides, I'm going to make you a present. He laughed again. Ha ha, little prince. Dear little prince, I love to hear that laughter. That is my present. Just that. It will be as it was when we drank the water. What are you trying to say? All men have the stars, he answered. But they are not the same things for different people. For some who are travelers, the stars are guides. For others, they are no more than little lights in the sky. For others who are scholars, they're problems. For my businessman, they were wealth. But all these stars are silent. You, you alone, will have the stars as no one else sees them. What are you trying to say? In one of the stars I shall be living. In one of them I shall be laughing. And so it will be as if all the stars are laughing. When you look at the sky at night, you, only you, will have the stars that can laugh. And he laughed again. And when your sorrow is comforted, time soothes all sorrows. 
you will be content that you have known me. You will always be my friend. You will want to laugh with me. And you will sometimes open your window. So for that pleasure, and your friends will be properly astonished to see you laughing as you look up at the sky. And then you'll say to them, yes, the stars always make me laugh. And they will think you're crazy. It'll be a very shabby trick that I've played on you. And he laughed again. It will be as if, in place of the stars, I have given you a great number of little bells that knew how to laugh. And he laughed again. And then he became quickly serious. Tonight, you know, do not come, said the little prince. I shall not leave you, I said. I shall look as if I were suffering. I shall look a little as if I were dying. It is like that. Do not come to see that. It is not worth the trouble. I shall not leave you. But he was worried. I tell you, it is also because of the snake. He must not bite you. Snakes, they are malicious creatures. This one might bite you just for fun. I shall not leave you. But a thought came to reassure him. It is true. They have no more poison for a second bite. That night I didn't see him set out on his way. He got away from me without making a sound. When I succeeded in catching up with him, he was walking along with a quick and resolute step, and he said to me merely, Ah, you are there. And he took me by the hand, but he was still worrying. It was wrong of you to come. You will suffer. I shall look as if I were dead, and that will not be true. I said nothing. You understand, it is too far. I cannot carry this body with me. It is too heavy. I said nothing. But it will be like an old abandoned shell. There is there's nothing sad about old shells. I said nothing. He was a little discouraged, but he made one more effort. You know, it will be very nice. I, too, shall look at the stars. All the stars with the wells will be a rusty pulley. All the stars will pour out fresh water for me to drink. I said nothing. That will be so amusing. You'll have five hundred million little bells, and I shall have five hundred million springs of fresh water. And he, too, said nothing more, because he was crying. Here it is. Let me go on by myself. He sat down because he was afraid, and then he said again, You know, my flower, I'm responsible for her, and she's so weak. She's so naive. She has four thorns, no use at all, to protect her against all the world. I too sat down because I was not able to stand up any longer. There now, that is all. He hesitated a little, then he got up. He took one step. I could not move. There was nothing but a flash of yellow close to his ankle. 
He remained motionless for an instant. He did not cry out. He fell as gently as a tree falls. There was not even a sound because of the sand. Chapter 27 The Narrator's Afterthoughts And now six years have already gone by. I have never yet told this story. The companions who met me on my return were well content to see me alive. I was sad, but I told them, I'm tired. And now my sorrow is comforted a little. That is to say, not entirely, but I know that he did go back to his planet, because I did not find his body at daybreak. It was not such a heavy body, and at night I loved to listen to the stars. It is like five hundred million little bells. But there's one extraordinary thing. When I drew the muzzle for the little prince, I forgot to add the leather strap to it. He will never have been able to fasten it to his sheep. So now I keep wondering, what is happening on his planet? Perhaps the sheep has eaten the flour. At one time I say to myself, surely not. The little prince shuts his flower under her glass globe every night, and he watches over his sheep very carefully. And then I'm happy, and there's sweetness in the laughter of all the stars. But at another time I say to myself, at some moment or another, one is absent-minded, and that is enough. On some one evening he forgot the glass globe, or the sheep got out without making any noise in the night, and then the little bells are changed to tears. Here, then, is a great mystery. For you who have also loved the little prince, and for me, nothing in the universe can be the same if somewhere, we, don't, we do not know where, a sheep that we never saw has, yes or no, eaten a rose. Look up at the sky. Ask yourselves, is it yes or no? Has the sheep eaten the flower? And you will see how everything changes. And no grown-up will ever understand that this is a matter of so much importance. This, to me, the loveliest and saddest landscape in the world. It's the same as that on the preceding page, but I've drawn it again to impress it on your memory. It is here the little prince appeared on earth and disappeared. Look at it carefully so that you'll be sure to recognize it in case you travel some day to the African desert. And if you should come upon this spot, please do not hurry on. Wait for a time, exactly under the star. And then, if a little man appears who laughs, who has golden hair, and who refuses to answer questions, you'll know who he is. And if this should happen... Please comfort me. Send me word that he's come back. <laughs>
is the little prince. Wow. What an amazing book. That's incredible. I am so glad we picked this one to do. That is absolutely amazing. Wow, we went long tonight. Sorry about that. We're way over an hour, but uh, well worth it. Uh, what a great ending. The Little Prince, absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for uh, joining in. We're going to make the closeout uh, very brief here. Subscribe, like, share. Uh, Rumble.com, I'm not wearing pants. You can watch the video version if you are listening in on the podcast. And uh, thank you so much for all of your <clears throat> shares and likes and subscriptions. Truly appreciate it. Really, it moves us up the charts, and, and that's exactly what we need. I will see you again on Monday night where we start a brand new book, quite possibly The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.